Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we'll have the latest on Ukraine coming up probably next segment. The, uh, the, the biggest headline, if you went to bed with that nuclear plant under attack, it looked like it is now in the hands of the Russians. It did not explode and lay waste to all of Europe. It's in the hands of the Russians. What they are wanting to do with it is conjecture, but more on that coming up in a little bit. Well, plus we need to get to Putin sanctioned by international cat community. Stay with us for those details. Mm. Uh, here are a number of stories for you that are not Ukraine in no particular order, certainly not of importance, but uh, are worth relating to you. It's uh, We ought to have a name for this, Michael. Joe covers the world. It's a little self-aggrandizing, but I like the sound of it. Anyway, do you remember Sherry Papini? Cute little 30-something California mom who was abducted by two Hispanic women who chopped off her hair and beat her down and held her captive for, what, a couple of weeks or... Um, I, I'm sure it's here in the story. Is this? A, I don't. I, I can't keep track of when all these things happen. Is this one where we immediately thought it sounded hinky? Yes. Okay. Sounded very odd to us. She was abducted uh, from the Redding, California area. Shout out to all our, our buds in the ding. Love mm-hmm. Redding. Love Shasta County. Was she found in the ditch? Is she the one that was found in the ditch? More found in a ditch. Yeah. Yes. Had various bindings on her body, injuries, including a brand on her right shoulder, right. according to authorities. So that was part of the, no way you'd brand yourself, would you? So that was part of the whole trying to figure out if it was real or not. Well, it was one of those, if this is odd, it's really, really odd. It's out there. At the time, Papini told law enforcement officers and others she had been abducted and held at gunpoint by two Hispanic women. Oh, those dang Hispanic women. She also provided details of the alleged abductors to an FBI sketch artist. Uh, based on her account, law enforcement agencies were on the lookout for Hispanic women matching the description. Investigation eventually showed that her account was fabricated and that Papini, who was married, had voluntarily stayed with her boyfriend in Costa Mesa, California. Oh, boy. She went to hook up with her boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And she couldn't tell her husband that, so she claimed she was abducted. Good good one. That'll work. That'll work fine. Yeah. Well, and uh, law enforcement has continued to figure out who, uh, continued to try to figure out who these vicious kidnappers um, lived. Judy, stop texting me. I'm trying to do the show. Sorry, back to the show. <laughs> how, how hard did law enforcement try to find the kidnappers? I mean, did they buy it for a while? Well, uh, hmm. uh, you remember the uh, Juicy Smollier case, as uh, Dave Chappelle pronounces it? The cops knew right away because okay. they're cops. Something was up, but they continued to investigate, too. You don't focus on a single thing, otherwise you're a bad investigator. Anyway, during an interview with a federal agent in Shasta County Sheriff's Office last August, or the August before last, Papini was warned, hey, it's a crime to lie to federal agents, all right? Keep that in mind, but she uh, she was presented with evidence that showed she had not been abducted, but instead of retracting her story, she continued to make false statements, uh, according to a news release, so she's being charged with various uh, filing for false reports and lying to federal agents. And the rest of it. Oh, by the way, from 2017 through 2021, she com- collected approximately 35 payments totaling over $30,000 from various uh, crime victim compensation funds. Oh, too. Wow. Yeah. So she's a hot little nut job, or so it would seem, allegedly. So I did, I did I miss this? Did she brand herself? 
Yeah, something like that. Wow. Essentially. That's commitment to the bit. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a, there is a multifaceted update to the Leah Thomas dude swimmer on the women's swimming team at Penn whooping up on all the biological girls in the pool thing. Um, surprising and encouraging. We'll get to that. I'm not sure we're going to have time this half hour, but we'll squeeze it in by the end of the hour. But I would definitely want to get to this. The investigation into the 2020 election in Wisconsin is continuing. <clears throat> And the investigators have um, have uh, announced they've uncovered some highly questionable voting rates plaguing Wisconsin's nursing homes and other long-term care facilities during the election. In light of the findings, the investigator said, this is the official state investigator. The ballots from those facilities should be audited. Uh, it said Wisconsin officials, because of the COVID, like other states, ditched a lot of requirements for supervising ballots, uh, ensuring the fidelity of the ballots, the custody, the rest of it. Um, And they think that encouraged widespread voter fraud. The 136-page report includes, uh, according to the Washington Times, eye-popping data of voter participation at dozens of nursing homes and residential care facilities. Uh, For instance, uh, the voter participation at the 91 nursing homes in Milwaukee, Racine, Dane, Kenosha, and Brown counties found that at least 95% of the residents voted. And in Milwaukee, Racine, and Dane counties, heavily Democratic counties, 100% of nursing home residents cast ballots in the presidential election, including quite a few who are officially non-compassmentous. They are not in control of their mental faculties. So you're a... uh... Do they use the term vegetable anymore? I think it's indelicate, yeah. Unresponsive. uh, I can't remember what the terms are. I don't deal with as much in my day-to-day life. But, yeah, I I think there's no need to go uh, drop a V-bomb on them. Well, so what is the... Is there a new term? Well, yeah, it's... uh, An agreed-upon term. Yeah, I just can't remember what it is. It's uh, Everybody's shouting it at the radio right now. Uh, uh, Non-sentient? No, you're still sentient. Are you? I think. I don't know. Uh, anyway, not vegetable, all right? That's not the point of the story. That's not the main point of the story. Well, what I was going to say is, even as a vegetable, the Trump-Putin race was enough to bring you out of your bed to, <laughs> to the polls. The, the, the Trump-Putin race? Or Trump's, wow, that's an interesting Freudian weird Dr. Calling Dr. Freud, calling Dr. Freud. Trump-Biden was so exciting to you. You, uh, you you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and got to the polls. Right, right. I got one more day of sentience in me, and today's the day. Uh, so, writes the uh, official uh, investigator, name of Gableman, given that there are approximately 92,000 residents of residential care facilities statewide, the fact that tens of thousands of illegal ballots from these facilities were counted cast doubts on the 2020 election, um, which was won by Biden by a couple of tens of thousands. And so we do need to get to the bottom of this. And uh, Wisconsin alone would not change the result of the election, uh, nor would the rather uh, dirty election law changes in Pennsylvania or Georgia. It's thought by most. um, And some of you disagree with that, I know. But I will tell you this, and we can all agree on this, right, left, and center. And if you don't agree with it, you're a bad person. And damn you, we need fidelity 
of votes. We need vote security. We need to know every vote cast is a legitimate vote or it all falls apart. If Vlad Putin, for instance, and his bots and America haters and anarchists and Marxists who want to tear the whole thing down, if they can legitimately claim you can't depend on vote results in in this country that does better than virtually any other country on earth in the history of mankind, if we can in, if they can induce that sort of doubt legitimately, we are done. The whole. Republicans don't want black people to vote. No, Republicans with conscience want to make sure every single ballot is legit, because if that ends, it all ends. End of screen. Gas is 5.15 in Los Angeles now, up 43 cents in a month. That's a historic jump. Yikes. It's gone up 29 days of the last 31 nationwide. Where's it going to end? Is the term brain dead? Oh, that might be right. That might be brain right. dead or why uh, is that better? There's another term. Well, you haven't turned into a damned carrot. You don't want to call somebody a vegetable. They're still a human. They're just not a human whose brain functions. Goodness sakes. Okay. Um, they wouldn't know if I offended them anyway, though, right? Yeah, but their friends and family would. Right. Please, right. my God, man. For a, for a man of faith, this is this is shocking. The International Cat Federation has sanctioned Russia. Stay with us. Um, one of the best writers on the whole Ukraine thing, taking on Biden's line from the speech the other night. Good always triumphs over evil. Oh, shut up! Which might be the stupidest thing a grown up could say. Uh, all that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The International Cat Federation has banned Russian cats from all competitions. I'm just going to go ahead and say that's the biggest news that's ever come out of the International Cat Federation. Wouldn't it be amazing if this is what finally breaks Putin? He's like, oh, enough is enough. I don't have the line of the cat competition. They work all their lives to compete in some, some not, almost nine lives. And uh, look at this. Yeah, I was uh, following a response from... Uh of the Armstrong and Getty show, Tim Sand, for about one of these kind of stories. There is a certain amount, well, there's there's violence against Russians some places. There are Russian restaurants that have been, at, you know, the windows broken and that sort of stuff. Oh, and man. That's just craziness. And, uh, and uh, some kid hockey players for some Russian thing weren't allowed to compete. What? Come on. What, what is that? I'm okay with that. Honestly, not the smashing windows and stuff and, and don't hurt any kids, for God's sake. But no, I just I don't think you get to participate in the community of man. If you yeah. do that. Yeah, it was something but it was something that was not attached. I don't remember what it was. I'll have to dig it up. Mm-hmm. The United Nations of Cat Federations, known for its French name, Federation Internationale Feline or something known as Fifi. I know it's too much, isn't it? Said the measures were decided Tuesday. They couldn't witness these atrocities and do nothing. Indeed, no cat belonging to exhibitors living in Russia may be entered at any fee-fee show outside Russia. 
et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I don't know how much of the news you followed yesterday, but uh, Putin laid waste to a whole bunch of different neighborhoods, different cities all across Ukraine, and the videos are just absolutely amazing. I, I tweeted one out. It looked like it was taken by somebody with a pretty high-quality drone in camera flying it over one of the cities and just looks like something out of World War II or Syria four years ago. Just awful. Uh came across this uh, tweet. The magnitude of destruction in Ukraine has been hard for me to grasp because I'd never heard of these cities before last week. Me neither. Kiev has the same population as Chicago, if you want to picture how big a city that is. Wow. Kharkiv is the same size as San Antonio. Marupol is the same size as Miami. Kherson, as big as Lincoln, Nebraska. So these are some real towns and cities of large size that are about to be encircled, bombed, and starved out. Um, just going through some of the information I gathered yesterday, some of the polling that has come out of Germany, mentioned earlier, Germany sending all kinds of arms to Ukraine. It was a week ago today that Mike Lyons on this show said, we might as well boot Germany out of, the, out of NATO. They're, they're no good to us. I mean, why are they even in NATO? Now they're giving arms like crazy. And uh, Ian Bremer was pointing out how much the polls have shifted in a short amount of time. In early February, so we're in early March. That's not very long ago, one month. In early February, 20% of Germans said they should deliver arms to Ukraine. That number is now 61%. A 40-point jump in four weeks. Talking about a change of opinion. I wonder how much that could could happen in the United States if we can continue to see really grim news out of there. Uh, The current polling in Germany, how many Germans want to help Ukrainian refugees? 91%. How many Germans want to kick Russia out of the SWIFT banking system? 82%. More German troops in Europe? 68%. Halting Nord Stream in Germany? Two-thirds of Germans want to halt Nord Stream from happening at this point. Wow. What percent of Germans think it's okay to have Ukraine in uh, the EU? 63%. And as I mentioned, arms deliveries to Ukraine has gone from 20% to 60% in a month, which is pretty incredible. Video, man. Video makes a difference. There's so much of modern technology that, as we've seen, has been a help to tyrants. See China. But, you know, there's the flip side of it. Boy, reading about this in the newspaper a day later, if, if all you were getting was you're getting up today and you're getting your morning newspaper like it's 40 years ago and you're reading about some town you never heard of in Ukraine got bombed, you think, oh, that's a shame, and then flip to the sports. Seeing the video is a completely different thing. Yeah, it is. It's amazing how, how true that is. Just for fun, while you were talking, I was looking up various distances, and uh, the distance from Berlin to Kiev is uh, significantly shorter. It's like 100 miles shorter than from San Diego to Portland, if you're trying to picture the relationship of the European countries to each other. That's some great perspective right there. It's a long day's drive. It'd be a hell of a day. You'd be tired, but you could get there in a day. Uh, to wrap up the Ian Bremmer tweets from yesterday, he said, I've never lived through a major geopolitical crisis where all the developments are so clearly headed towards further escalation. And that is absolutely true. There's there's no um, this getting less worse on the horizon yet. 
Like zero. Zero. Uh, no. No, it's, it's absolutely clear. It's infinitely clear that Putin is going to wipe out any resistance and, and a significant share of the male population, at least, and a lot of women and children as well. Uh, in Ukraine, the question I have is, does it spread further? Uh, what what happens in addition to Ukraine? Right. Well, so, so yeah, kind of to that point, here's a, a, one of your think tank Russian experts writing about Putin and uh, yesterday saying people who are talking about whether or not Putin is rational are missing the point. The kind of guy he is. He always wants chaos, doubt and danger to keep raising the stakes because he believes he can exploit such moments better than his opponents. Mm-hmm. So anything that causes chaos, he thinks, I'll come out the better side of this. Putin bombing a nuclear plant is simply logical to someone who doesn't care about human life. That's not even part of the equation. Is this going to make things chaotic and make people confused and worried? Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there is some. there are some reports that uh, the, that captured nuclear power plant, uh, the Russians are going to put big old bombs in it. And use it to extort the West. Hey, stop sending arms or we're going to blow this thing. All of Europe's going to be covered with a cloud of radiation. Who knows? I could see him doing it. Wow. How did we end up so dependent on oil? Russia was funding the climate activists who convinced so many governments to do the things that made us more dependent on Russia. That's amazing. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Severe miscalculation by the Russian army across the board. They tried to move in with a very daunting sort of blitzkrieg type attack. They didn't integrate their fires in their air, and they did not secure the rear area. These cities are going to be filled with insurgents, and hundreds of thousands of troops would be needed to secure this, which means that Putin's plan, while audacious, is highly flawed. Yeah, but that was always the case. It just, I don't know, I don't, I don't get any enjoyment out of this. It's, ta- it's going to take him three weeks instead of two days right, to kill the same number of people and do the same amount of uh, destruction. I just, I can, I can see why you're a military person. It's really interesting that they, you know, they made these like rookie mistakes. But ultimately, it doesn't seem to be going to make any difference. They've surrounded all these cities. They've got the ports blocked off. They've secured the biggest nuclear power plant in the entire country and the entire all of Europe. And they're just they're going to lay waste to these places. And it, the ultimate part that it's a bad idea is still true also what are you going to do with this country once you've occupied it and it's full of people who want to kill you armed by the rest of the world i actually liked what clint watts on msnbc said about the insurgent forces in 48 what we've seen from the ukrainian people is this is an insurgent force not only are they very well trained much better than we thought they now are getting weapons like stingers javelins the in-law all these anti-tank weapons are going in and you have russian soldiers that are very uneven down here in the south these units have done particularly well up here in the north they have done awful these are not crack troops that i learned about as an infantryman 30 years ago these are russian forces conscripts that don't really want to be in the fight and they don't want to be fighting oftentimes relatives, friends, other Russian ethnics uh, individuals that are in Ukraine that would almost be seen as brothers just two weeks ago. Yeah, I uh, saw one think tanker, I don't remember, it was a, uh, uh, who said the Russian leadership 
appears to have misled its own soldiers about the invasion. This is morally reprehensible conduct from the Russian military officers. In this alone, Russian military culture is revealed as professionally corrupt. Yeah, mm. I'd say. That is... This goes way back to like when we were young and following this sort of stuff. Communist countries, as we saw with the way the freaking COVID uh, came out of China, the way communist countries handle things are awful. You never deliver bad news up the chain. So you report, oh, the, the soldiers under me are, are, are crack troops. Boy, the training's going great. They're tough. They're cohesive. They're perfect. You get a promotion. Yeah, it's not just the economics of communism that doesn't work. It doesn't work as a system in all kinds of different ways, including what's your long-term plan by lying to all your soldiers? How dedicated are they going to be to you the next time you try to do anything? Well, I think there's a tendency to think you can manage everybody through terror. And manage them effectively. And you can for a while in a lot of ways, but it has a way of, uh, you know, that string runs out. Yeah. They aren't going to fight as hard. Agreed. Agreed. Um, At least in some cases, although they have overwhelming force. I don't know how all this plays out. I mean, if it were not so horrific, it would be fascinating. Um, just because, uh, you know, I've, I've read about this sort of thing in history books for a long time. And yes, I'm familiar with the various conflicts that have happened between now and then. It is true that the, this is the first war since World War II stuff is just ridiculous. But, um, oh, uh, t- uh back to the, the nuke plant, unless there's something you wanted to talk about before we get to that. Nah, I got so many things to jam in over the next couple hours. I'll find a spot. Uh, fair enough. Why don't we, uh, hit me with, uh, clip 43, Clint Watts. Zaporizhia is what we were talking about last night. A few key notes about it. We saw some video that you might have seen out on social media of a firefight in and around those reactors. What do the Russians want to do? They want to take control of the entire energy sector because they can use that when they're doing siege warfare like we're seeing in many cities around Ukraine to take control essentially the power sources. But separately, the more important point might be psychological, injecting fear into audiences. While we're trying to get to the bottom of what happened here last night, is it safe? I would bet that Russian disinformation broadcast back at home is saying that this is the Ukrainians possibly using some sort of nuclear material or causing a blast. We saw that last Last week, uh, when Chernobyl was taken back. Yeah, as I went to bed last night, I, it was I was taking in all the news. Like, what the hell is this? Everybody was wondering: Is he going to bomb the biggest nuclear plant in Europe, or what? What is he up to? Well, the strategy Clint Watts just laid out seems to be the obvious one. You cut, you give yourself the opportunity to the ability to cut off the power whenever you want. But staff at the nuclear power plant sent a message to Ukrainian media and government authorities warning that the Russian troops that took the plant are trying to lay down explosives in, cor- in order to, quote, blackmail the whole of Europe. Uh, and I quote again from the report from employees, they will be trying to mine the nuclear power plant and blackmail the whole of Europe. That's what they just said. That's some good writing. Uh, Kadyrovsky attacked the power plant, which is a reference to uh, a Chechenian branch of the Russian military. Currently, there is a battle between them and the National Guard of Ukraine. Ukraine. It's the Kadyrovsky for sure. Um, they're putting explosive materials near the buildings of the nuclear plant to provide pressure on the Ukrainian army and people. So is this new angle, is is Putin's thinking that, look, I'm the, great, I'm the biggest nuclear power in the world, but if I fire off a nuke, the whole world's going to come down on me. If I do the same thing, but it's 
I threaten with a nuclear power plant, it's going to be received differently. Don't you think? I mean, that makes sense. If he if he had a nuclear weapon that he was hanging over Kiev, you know, I got a plane circling the night, I got a nuclear weapon and I'll drop it. That would be received differently than this, even though the result would be more or less the same. Uh, I don't think so. No, you blow up the nuclear power plant, I think you're going to have a cloud of radiation floating over Europe, but it's not going to like level an entire city. But I don't think the world's going to react the same way for some reason. Oh, oh absolutely not. I agree with you. And, and I'm less worried about Putin nuking something in Ukraine than somewhere else. Well, I don't know myself, but most of the experts I was watching on the cable news last night seemed to think it would be a much bigger deal than your cloud floating over Europe. Hmm. Um, in terms of the, the loss of life and damage to, to, to all of Europe. But I don't, you know, I certainly don't know. But... Um, uh, Ukraine's foreign minister said if it blows up, it'll be 10 times larger than Chernobyl, which is hard to imagine if you watched any of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you think he's going to use it as a threat? Yeah. Wow. What a uh, an amoral SOB. Uh, yeah, that much is clear, I think. Yeah. And and I don't know that that's true. I'm just reporting what the uh, the employees are telling their government. So I was reading this from a Twitter feed from Michael Schellenberg. People think Europe depends on Russia for energy because it lacks its own. But 15 years ago, Europe exported more natural gas than Russia does today. Now Russia exports three times more gas than Europe produces. That's an amazing turnaround in 15 years. Why? Because climate activists funded by Russia blocked fracking. That's how... You know, Putin's been really dumb about a lot of things, kind of, in this invasion, but he's certainly smart about a lot of things. In 2014, NATO's Secretary General revealed Russia was funding climate activists, saying Russia engaged actively with so-called non-governmental organizations working against shale gas to maintain dependence on important imported Russian gas, and nobody paid any attention. So all the activists in the street saying, no fracking, it's bad for the environment, they were just funded by Russians. So they would convince the stupid population that, you know, that little girl is right. Climate change is awful, and this is causing damage. So they would buy more of Russia's oil and gas. It's clever. It's calculating. And it worked to a great extent. Isn't that amazing? Oh, you know, I have some great information on uh, the Russian uh, uh, intelligence services, the way they spy on the U.S. and, and, and where it happens and how it happens. It's really interesting. Maybe we get into it later, but... Uh, the the summary of it is that they want to understand everything about our society, everything about our media, everything about Twitter trends and the rest of it. Because the more you understand uh, the U.S., Europe, for instance, the better you can manipulate us. And Putin is, if nothing else, a master manipulator. In this whole battle between democracies and autocracies, the autocrats like Xi in China and Putin in Russia... They think, and they they have a point on this. I'm still on the side of democracy, because uh, or are you? Ultimately, it's a win for all kinds of different reasons, obviously. But they can look at it and say, "Man, if you can get a bunch of college idiots in the street complaining about something, you can change policy in all kinds of ways that hurts them. They don't care because the politicians are so freaking weak. They'll do with what the young idiot college kids want them to do. They kind of have to. And there's a certain truth of that. So if you get enough." Uh, people on the streets of Germany complaining about fracking in the environment, 
they'll uh, stop producing their own energy and start buying it from Russia. Well, that's what we're doing in the United States. It's so freaking dumb. We right. use the same amount. We just buy it from bad countries. That's right. moronic. Bad, dirty, irresponsible countries. As opposed to carefully run, more environment, much more environmentally careful American entities. Yeah, it's, it is almost hilarious the extent to which the environmental left allows the earth to be polluted so it's not polluted here, I guess. They claim to be all about Mother Earth, but they sacrifice Mother Earth all the time uh, to protect Mother Alaska, I guess. And, you know, a lot of the people in the streets are sincere, and and maybe they're not stupid, but Putin doesn't care whether they're sincere, whether they're stupid, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. He just assesses whether if I promote that message, will that be good for Russia or bad for Russia? And he has just legions of people in America, as does China, uh, dedicated to that task. Are we smart enough to uh, figure that out and and not fall prey to it or not? Mm, No. Nope, we aren't. Okay, well, that nope. answers that question. Yep, let's move on. I don't know why I even ask it. Well, how much caterwauling was there about Russian interference in our elections? Well, if it's widely known that Putin's been uh, funding these environmental groups, why are you not hearing any caterwaul about that? Because of the, you know, the old partisan alliances of the mainstream media. Same old story. Same old song and dance, my friend. Awesome. Well, we'll keep our eye on that story for you. Any developments that happen while we're on the air, and I'm sure there will be some, and they'll all be grim and bad. None of them will be good. As Ian Bremmer said, there is nothing good on the horizon in this story. In this story. So next segment, squeeze this in. If you were to look at the aforementioned mainstream media, you would probably think that only an evil 10% of Americans are against that brave, plucky, transgender swimmer whooping up on all the girls in the pool every time she swims. It's only the lunatic fringe that watches Sean Hannity. Well, the reality is a lot closer to the exact opposite. Interesting. So, stay with us, won't she? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Next hour, kickoff hour three of the Armstrong and Getty Show, will bring you the story of a woman, a young woman, who's uh, getting uh, bombed by Jesus in uh, Ukraine and can't convince her mom in Moscow that it's actually happening. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. So powerful the news coverage is in Russia. So, uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who gave the little-noticed Republican response to the little-noticed State of the (laughs) Union the other day, uh, it was terrific, though. It was really good. Just signed a bill banning biological males from women's K-12 through and college sports. Good for her. You're transgender. You can do anything you want. Absolutely anything. I will defend your human and civil rights to my dying day. But you do not get to whoop up on biological girls and women in sports. That's it. That's the only thing of any significance. Sports Illustrated, with quite the article about Leah Thomas, the formerly male college swimmer, who is now the largest quote-unquote woman swimming in the world. Big dude. So just physically, you mean like height and weight, the largest swimmer? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. 
uh, I mean, I know plenty of people who are fairly slightly built males. Uh, Leo, back when she was whatever, um, male name, was a big dude. Michael Phelpsian physique. Anyway, big article in uh, Sports Illustrated about her, including an interview and that sort of thing. And it's an interesting read in that, in the way sports journalism usually covers issues of civil rights or gay issues or whatever, they're terrified of getting it wrong because a lot of them are pretty new to this stuff. And so they usually lean over backward. Um, to, to, they bend over backward to, uh, to make sure they don't say anything wrong because they don't want to get canceled. But it's interesting to me how far Sports Illustrated goes toward the common sense end of things. Uh, fresh off her final practice of the week, the most controversial athlete in America sat in the corner of a nearly empty Philadelphia coffee house. Blah, blah, blah. She looked exhausted. Um, Thomas was thinking about her weekend plan, sleeping, studying, another grueling swim practice, etc., etc. This has been a season unlike any in her 22 years, unlike any in the history of her sport. And then they get into how it's a living, breathing, real-time Rorschach test for how society views those who challenge conventions. No, no, it's not Sports Illustrated. It's a Rorschach test on how society views people who go up against women in the pool as dudes and, and kill them. Or any other sport. Challenge conventions. Weak Sports Illustrated. Robert Sanchez, I am going to call you out, my brother. Dirty I'll, Sanchez. Although this uh, this article is not entirely one-sided, there are times like in that phrase that are just ridiculous. She, uh, Sanchez points out, in her first year swimming for Penn's women team, after three seasons competing against men, because she was one and really is one, Thomas throttled her competition, the women. She set pool, school, and Ivy League records en route to becoming the nation's most powerful female collegiate swimmer. Inspiring. Powerful is a good word. Photos of Thomas resting in a pool wall and waiting for the rest of the field to finish have become a popular visual shorthand of her dominance. That would be very cool if it were real. When she swims at the NCAA Women's Division I Swimming and Diving Championships beginning March 16th in Atlanta, she's a favorite. Thomas is a favorite. uh, Saying she pains me, honest to God. It really does. If we were at a a meeting or a cocktail party and and this person insisted on being called she, it's fine with me. I don't care. There's no skin off my nose. But we're specifically talking about maleness dominating femaleness. So anyway, Thomas is a favorite to win individual titles in the 200 and 500-yard freestyle events. Also has a shot in the 100-yard freestyle event. She has an outside chance to break longstanding collegiate records held by Katie Ledecky and Missy Franklin, two of our most beloved American uh, Olympians of this century. I was going to say, those are names I actually recognize. They were uh, extraordinary enough female swimmers that I, who don't follow the sport, actually know their names. And he or she is going to break their records. Thomas says she has ambitions to compete beyond college and could set her on a course to be Ledecky's teammate at the 2024 Games in Paris. I hope so, because I have thought all along this ends when somebody makes it to the Olympics. That's the only way this is ever going to end, because I think at that point, enough of the... If we ever have an Olympics again where everybody pays attention. But that there would be enough attention finally then and enough regular people watching, I think, to say, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. Right. I don't know exactly what the future of my swimming will look like after this year, but I would love to continue doing it. I want to swim and compete as who I am. That, how How does she not feel guilty about this? 
How does she? How does she just feel like this is awesome? I'm just dominating these women, and it's just fantastic. Isn't that cool? That's where I was headed. One more quote. I'm a woman just like anybody else on the team. That's delusional. I've always viewed myself as just a swimmer. It's what I've done so long. It's what I love. I get into the water every day and do my best. All right, here's a long story short. I'll grant you're a woman. You're not just like anybody else on the team. Yeah. And there are a lot of points made in this article about various hate emails and threats to her and her coach and stuff uh, like that. What as if, wrong with as if that is a counter to the legitimate argument. Leah, you have emotional issues. You have some pretty significant emotional issues. The unfairness of you with your biologically male body crushing not only the competition, but crushing the dreams of the competition, as a a swimming coach uh, let us know, the only way you can compete in this sport is if you are up on the blocks thinking you can win, knowing you can win, feeling like you can win. All of these women are standing on the blocks knowing they don't have a chance in hell. If you don't understand that, if you think you're just like anybody else on the team and what you're doing isn't blatantly unfair, you really need some help. And and I feel sorry for you. I'm sure you're a nice person, but you need help. Oh, and there was a long Reddit thread. Reddit is young and it is woke. And that thread was unmistakably on the side of this is not fair to biological women. That's really interesting. Yeah. If you missed an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.